Welcome to Breakthrough with Brig, the podcast that teaches high-achieving Black women how to use thought work to break through barriers, get out of their own way, and become their best self in the most loving and sustainable way. Y'all ready? Let's dig in. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 100 of the Breakthrough with Break podcast. Did you hear what I just said? 100 episodes. This is such an exceptional milestone. A big congratulations to Break for reaching this milestone. My name is Colette McKenzie of ColetteMcKenzie.com and I am Break podcast producer. To celebrate this phenomenal accomplishment, Brig wanted to bring you a best of podcast episode. And let me tell you, this was no easy task because every, every episode drops gems and it was definitely hard to choose. So I took a look at the episodes with the most downloads and then I looked at the ones with a similar theme. What I came up with is a curated message on how we can intentionally experience self-trust, compassion, and grace by improving our relationship with ourselves. It's all about being rooted in ourselves so that we become our own safe place. This was so much fun to put together because one, I believe self-love is a whole vibe, right? And two, revisiting these episodes Help me to realize just how impactful they have been in my own personal growth in so many areas of my life. So if you're looking to introduce anyone to break in her work, this is the perfect episode to start with. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to thank the listeners. Thank you for listening each week. Thank you for sharing the podcast. Thank you for leaving a rating and review. Thank you for the DMs to break and for sharing your feedback and takeaways. It is all very much appreciated. Also, a big thank you to the listeners who participated in the celebration of 100 episodes by sharing a recording of their favorite episode and how it has impacted their lives. This feedback is sprinkled throughout the recap of this episode, and it is the perfect addition to this production. All right, Queen, enjoy the episode. You know what I really want you to understand? I mean, like literally tears in eyes right now. I want you to have a sense of your power, the power of you. Because we as Black women have been told that our power is in who we date, who we have, our kids, how they act, how we look, the color of our eyes, the wideness of our nose, the smallness or fullness of our lips and our hips, the color of our skin, the texture of our hair. What do we do? What titles we have behind us? What we drive? Whether we have red bottoms on the bottom of our feet, who we serve what we think like, how we pronounce a word, where we live, how we live, how we process our pain. All of this, all of this 
has been the thing that we have been told that makes us us. I want us to know the power of ourselves because we can be our greatest enemy. Despite what the world is telling us, all that stuff that I said, how you talk, all of that, our greatest enemy is who we think we are. The limiting beliefs that we have accepted without even realizing that we've accepted it. I am lazy. I am inadequate. I am naive. I'm too much. I'm not enough. I'm undisciplined. Comparison. Yeah. We literally live in a world where it teaches us to compare. Not until recently did we even have people on the TV that we can look at like and look at and say, oh, that's me. I'm possible. That position I can do. When you don't see people that look like you, we don't think it's safe to go there. The other thing that we are our greatest enemy on is our judgment. We are so damn hard on ourselves. Why did I do this? Why don't I do this? Why can't I get myself to change? Like, I can't believe I did this. I took two steps forwards. I take three steps backwards. All of those, those are our limiting beliefs. Those thoughts, those things, we think we're describing us. What we're doing is imprisoning us with those thoughts. But I don't want to leave with you are your greatest enemy. You are your answer. You are the answer for how you feel at any moment. You are the answer for how you show up at any moment, despite what's going on outside of you. There is nothing outside of you that is your answer. It's not the guy. It's not the person you marry. It's not the job. It's not the title. It's not the amount of money in the house, in your account or the lack of money in your account. It's not where you live. It's not how you look. It's not the size. It's not the scale. When we think it's something outside of us, then we have given our power away. We have just disempowered ourselves. And the only thing that we have left to do is to feel helpless, feel like a victim and act that way or to go on and try to control everything. Now, you can choose how you want to feel at any moment. Take back your power in a sustainable way. The main thing is a tool I use called the model that I got from Brooke Castile at the Life Coach School. We are what we think. Our thoughts create how we feel. Our feelings generate our actions and our actions over time give us our result. You are where you are because of this. And when we have ownership of what we created, we can have ownership of what we choose to create because we see it as optional now. You, queen, are your answer. One of the main reasons why I believe so strongly in the concept of thinking about what we are thinking about, like why we give so much 
credence to our thoughts, our feelings. And this is the main reason why coaching is so valuable for us as high achieving women is your brain is fucking with you. Now, let me explain how and why what we have as humans is we have evolved from using just our limbic brain, which is our lizard brain, which was designed for survival, for us to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and stay the same. Expend as little energy as possible, so stay the same. Like You can imagine if we were 1,500 years ago, we don't want to expend a whole bunch of energy because we may have to run away from a tiger at any moment. Seek pleasure back then was literally go find water, go find food or reproduce. Avoid pain was don't get out the cave at night. There may be something outside of us that is threatening. Do not go towards threatening things. Doing those three things is what we call the motivational triad, is the thing that helped us to survive long enough to reproduce. That was it, survival of the species. All of these three things were very useful for us. It's the basis of our existence and why we were able to actually continue to evolve to now we have this beautiful prefrontal cortex And now we've created lives of comfort where actually the three things that motivated us and kept us alive and survived is actually backfiring on us now. What I'm saying is, is the things that were designed to keep us safe are now the things that keep us the same, not going towards our goals as high achieving women. See, our lower brain is the fastest, it's the oldest, it is automatic. So if we're not taught the process of fault management, which is what I teach my clients to do, to really manage their mind, if we're not taught how to use and access that prefrontal cortex, then we operate from our lizard brain. It was designed to keep us safe, but it still has the same response now as if our life and death depended on it. So in other words, when you're like trying to live in a life that is a lifestyle that produces more health for you, and the goal is maybe not to eat the cookie or not to eat the cake, if you slow down, you will notice your brain, the lizard brain, not to seek pleasure is like, what the heck is going on? 1500 years ago, it was go towards it. Like, oh, these are the berries. Eat all the berries you can. Well, yeah, because 1500 years ago, the berries were going to be gone and that's it. And you needed to like have extra energy because maybe there was going to be a winter that maybe berries and things weren't going to be as plentiful. And we needed that extra padding on ourselves to be able to survive in order to reproduce. But that isn't necessarily the same thing going on now. Now we have berries on every corner because we have a grocery store on every corner and a convenience store on every half corner. Not to mention Uber Eats, 
DoorDash that brings the shit right to your door now. You don't even have to leave, right? So that seeking mechanism that was so precious then that actually motivated you to get out your cave and go do something because that's what you needed to do, that seeking mechanism isn't necessarily as important now, but we have to override it. But if we don't understand that it's our lizard brain that's saying, eat the cake, eat the cake, eat the cake. You know, I have to say anime. (laughs) I'm sorry. I had to do it. (laughs) But if we don't understand that it's our lizard brain that's saying it, then we don't know how to apply our thought work which is our prefrontal cortex, which is our executive brain that actually has dominance over our lizard brain when we involve it, when we like tap into it. But the problem is, is through mind management, we don't know how to do that because we've never learned that because unfortunately they taught us everything in school, but the one thing that could help us, which is how to manage our mind so that we can manage our default emotions that come from triggers that were designed 1500 years ago that we still act as if giving a talk in front of a classroom of 10 people is a cyber tooth tiger when it's not. We still interpret, our brain does, still interprets having those difficult conversations with friends, with loved ones, with coworkers as a cyber tooth tiger threatening, and it's not. We still interpret eating in a way that sustains us, that doesn't tire us, give us brain fog and inflammation and causes chronic diseases as a threat to our survival. And we want to know why we can't do the things that we want to do. Like we don't show up for getting a project done on time, having the difficult conversations, putting ourselves back out there on the dating app and deciding to start dating again, forgiving our husband, allowing our kids to be who they are, not going for the big goal, not saying yes to starting the business not enrolling in the class, not going for the promotion because we interpret those as danger because avoid pain. I may feel embarrassed. I may feel rejection. I may get humiliated. It may not work. I, oh my God, y'all, I may do the F word. I may fail. When actually failure It's the most beautiful thing for us as humans because through our failure, we get data. We use that beautiful prefrontal cortex of ours to interpret that data, make another decision in a plan, in a hypothesis to solve problems from. And we apply that data and course correct. The problem is simply, if we don't learn how to manage our mind, we stay stuck on creating lives of repeat, which is what we already have. And all we do is reproduce the same life over and over and over again. If you want different, we have to think differently. 
One of the ways we do that is through the power of questions. Just questioning, where did that come from? Why am I choosing that? How does this thought feel? It's a great question for us. How do I feel when I think this thought? How do I want to feel? What can I learn from this? You want to create? You want to problem solve? You want to take center stage? You want to lead a movement? You want to do some shit? It's going to take us to think at a higher level. That means we're going to have to challenge that 80 to 95% negative thoughts that we have on repeat. We're going to have to have the difficult conversations and feel the discomfort and understand that our brain is saying it's a cyber tooth tiger. Feel that emotion and do it fucking anyway. We can do this, ladies. Ask yourself great questions. Think about what you're thinking about. And let's stop letting our lizard brain fuck with us, keeping us out of our growth. My favorite episode is episode 11, Be Your Own Dopa Man. In this episode, Brig walks us through what it means to generate your own dopamine. She defined the dopamine transmitter as the transmitter that is responsible for our motivation, our desire, basically our seeker neurotransmitter. And the importance of this episode for me as a business owner is that she highlighted the importance of giving ourselves more metrics that we can celebrate so that our perspective along the way generates our own dopamine as we are going through our day. So I thought this was just an incredible episode because it explained a very complicated subject, you know, a neurotransmitter, but then she wrapped it as only Brit can do in a very relatable idea of rocking chair kind of love where we're both on the front porch wiping each other's behind. And it was funny and it was insightful and it was thought provoking and it was all just a power punch in a short amount of time. And that's what I love about not only episode 11, but the entire podcast. I am so excited that you are celebrating 100 episodes. The world needs to hear your work. Congratulations. And because of you, I am my own dopamine. talk about our ability to use the neurotransmitter called dopamine for us. Because here's the deal. Once we know how our brain works, isn't it nice to use it for us as opposed to having it work against us? Because I'm going to tell you something, advertisers know all about the dopamine and they know all how to be our dopamine man. All the restaurants know how to be our dopa man. All the car dealers know how to be our dopa man. Our jobs even know how to be our dopa man. Wouldn't it be nice if we learned how to be our own 
dopamine. Meaning we learned how to create that dopamine that has us seeking what we want to seek, which is in this case, we're talking about goals, right? So what's dopamine, Brig? Really, what's dopamine? It's a neurotransmitter. It's created in our body, specifically the brain, and it's involved in several functions. But the main one I want to talk about today is its involvement in our want, our desire, our motivation. See, dopamine is the thing back when we lived years and years ago, and we were in the caves and we needed to go out and go hunt, go get water. Dopamine is the neurotransmitter to help us to seek. It is the seeking neurotransmitter. Yes, it is the one involved in pleasure, but it actually has an even greater role in us desiring the thing. The dopamine is the thing that makes you like, oh, when I get home, I'm going to eat that leftover, whatever that is. Or the dopamine is the thing like, I can't wait till I get to the da-da-da. That's dopamine. It is the seeking. It's the neurotransmitter that is just released just a little bit, lets you know you're on your way. It keeps you wanting. It motivates you to keep on path. Now you see why I'm saying, wouldn't it be nice if we learned how to be our own dopamine? Like, wouldn't it be nice that we learned how to secrete dopamine intentionally so that we will stay on the path that we want intentionally, as opposed to having dopamine have us on the path overeating, over Netflixing, over social media, over everything, but the things that we want to do, right? So I want you to be a good finder. What do I mean by that? See, when we had to go off to go to the watering hole or to go get water, on our way, we would notice landmarks. And those landmarks, like the shrub is there. Okay, a little bit dopamine. Yeah, this looks familiar. The the pole over there. Yeah, this looks familiar. This hill up here, this rock. Yeah, this looks familiar. Oh yeah, there's that tall tree. I'm getting closer. All of those little things were little things that our brain was like, you're getting closer. This is the way you're getting closer. This looks familiar. This is the way this looks familiar. This is the way you're getting closer. It is the seeking. And every time we pass something that reminded us that we're on track, we would get a little dopamine, right? So how about we intentionally create our own little milestones, our own little landmarks, that tells us we're on track. Like we intentionally create, we're on track, you're making it. This is happening. This is working. What you're doing is working. You're getting close, keep going. And we do that by creating different milestones or landmark things on our everyday. If your goal was to stay and like do an increase in your revenue, in your business. Let's just say that. 
as opposed to only looking at it as when the revenue hits whatever the number is we want for that month and then deciding whether or not it's working based on that big thing. Like I have to get all the way to the warding hole before I have dopamine released. That's not the way the body works. Remember, I said that it was, oh, I saw a shrub. Oh, it's working. Dopamine. Oh, there's that tall tree. Oh, it's working. Dopamine. Like, so if we only create our goals as this big thing, and when I get there, there's no dopamine between where I'm at and then, then it's kind of hard to stay on track. But if we intentionally create milestones, what would those other milestones be? Oh, look, you made two more calls than you normally did. That's it. Great job. You're on track. Keep going. Look, you knocked on more doors. You made more offers than you did last week. Great job. It's working. Or look, you got more no's than last week. Let's evaluate. Let's figure it out. Let's see what's going on. Great job. Look at you working and figuring it out. You're learning. Great job. You're on your way. You see how the perspective on what you tell yourself on your journey, you can create any kind of a landmark and create your own dopamine from those landmarks. In other words, you can always give yourself the perspective of I'm getting closer. I'm on my way by how you choose to think about it, how you present it to your brain. Like we create our own dopamine. We have to do it intentionally though. Like if you want to be in that relationship, I'm committed to rocking chairs. I'm wiping your ass and you wiping mine kind of commitment. Then you have to create the dopamine along the way. You have to create the desire, the seeking, the want, the motivation to keep doing the things to do it. You do that by intentionally looking at it through a perspective that tells you it's working. What I'm doing is working. I'm getting closer. You're doing a fabulous job. Yes, be your own dopamine. Be a good finder. So what kind of questions can you ask yourself other than the one milestone? What other metrics can you follow? The more metrics you can give yourself that says, I'm working, this is working, I'm getting closer, the better opportunity you have for giving yourself dopamine along the way. Like you create the breadcrumbs. This is the way. You're leaving the breadcrumbs intentionally. Guys, when we know how our brain works, let's use it to our advantage. So what else could you measure? What else will tell you it's working? When you don't make the big goal, what else can you ask yourself? What else are you learning? How can you reframe this so you're winning always? Because guess who decides whether or not you're winning or not? You always. Guess what? You can always decide you're winning always. Even if you went the wrong way, how can you describe that to yourself? so that you're winning. Well, I now know how not to do it. I now know when I go this way, this ain't working. I've took off another option. Now I'm closer to the one way that's going to work because I already know one way that's not going to work. I'm getting closer. 
because we naturally, naturally, you know, our brain is in that limbic system. We naturally find what's not working. That's easy to point out. Your job will be to spend equally amount of time showing yourself how it's working, why you want to do this and create your own neural pathway. Like you're sealing in, remember the breadcrumbs, you're sealing in, this is the way we're going to do this. You're creating a new neural pathway for your body. The neurotransmitters are doing it. You're doing it through repetition. And it just literally becomes just like driving your car on your way home and you don't know how you got there. It literally eventually becomes, this is who I am. If we decide to do this intentionally, it's available to you. Use it. Create and be your own dopa man. Hi, I'm Shantaria Jones, and I'm all the way in Arkansas, and I listen to Brig Johnson's Breakthrough with Brig podcast every morning on my walk. I would have to say my favorite podcast, and I listen to this over and over again, is episode 50, Why Going From Good to Gooder is Harder Than Going From Bad to Good. In all honesty, I never really understood why it was easy for me to be motivated when the situation was very tough or really hard. I just was uncomfortable. But understanding why, like as I'm seeking to be better in this journey and navigating life as a high achieving black woman, when I feel like I'm in this great place, I'm making six figures. I have the house, I have the car, I have the husband. Why does this still feel like I want to achieve more, but the motivation isn't there? Like, am I just being lazy? Am I just not wanting to do it? Like I have learned to give myself so much grace and find a different way to channel my motivation to go from good to even better in life. Because it is a point where you are just comfortable. Why would you want to change? Why would you want to risk what it feels like, quote unquote, to risk your comfortability for something that doesn't seem certain? But listening to that podcast day in and day out has motivated me so differently. And that's just one of many. But if I had to say off top of my mind, my favorite podcast, because I've listened to it for about three, four times now, is episode 50. So everyone, please be sure to go check that out. I know we just pop up to the latest ones that roll up, but episode 50 is very powerful and is very impactful. Thanks, Brig. Going from bad to good is a different journey than going from good to better. When we go from good to better, there are different ways that we get to motivate ourselves or treat ourselves. And I want to explain that because it was so apparent to me when I was creating goals and realizing like, oh, how I got myself here is not going to be the way I get myself the other way. So I want to explain it all. So why is that? Now y'all know I'm no psychotherapist. I'm I'm just a life coach. We'll have a whole bunch of training. But what I will say, this is what I noticed from me and coaching my clients and some of the things that has worked for me and my clients. And one of them is, it's so much easier if you understand the motivational triad. 
Remember our lower brain. Our lower brain is motivated by avoiding pain, seeking pleasure, and staying the same. So guess what? When you were going from bad to great or good, right? When I was like, I'm a single mother. I was newly divorced. I had a two-year-old, four-year-old, and five-year-old. I knew my ass didn't want to have to go to my ex every time something was going on and ask for more money. I just knew that was going to be miserable as fuck for me. I just didn't want to have that struggle where I would have to go to him and say, hey, so-and-so needs this. I want to hire this and have to have that conversation. I just wanted to be able to take the prescribed amount of money that he was assigned and do whatever I wanted to do with it and add and make those decisions. So for me, I knew I needed more money. So I was definitely going from bad to better. So going from bad to better, remember our motivational triad, avoid pain. Where I was was painful. Stay the same. Staying the same was painful. So I was motivated not even to stay the same. So I was motivated against my motivational triad, my lower brain, because I was avoiding pain and I was going towards pleasure. So remember, motivational triad for our lower brain is seek pleasure. I was going towards pleasure. I was going towards better, right? Avoid pain. Where I was, was painful. So of course, my brain is like, yep, it's on board. Yes, we got to get there. Like it wasn't as much bullying. My brain wasn't going, "Uh uh-uh. Was it saying I couldn't? Was it saying the imposter syndrome shit? Yes. But was it a part of survival in my brain to do it? Yes, it was. It was motivated with me. I was going with the current. So I had the motivational triad with me, right? Going from bad to better. Okay. So you got this big thing and it's not easy. First of all, your brain is already freaking out because it's not easy. And guess where the motivational triad is? Because when I was going from anesthesia to life coaching full-time, my brain was like, what the fuck you doing? Like we comfortable. It was the opposite. It was like, avoid pain. Like you get a check every two weeks. You getting a six-figure income. My brain was like, what the fuck are you doing? It wasn't like a carrot, like seek pleasure. Like I was trying to convince it, like, but look, we can make this much money. My brain was like, ah, I'm comfortable right here. There's a difference was I wasn't in pain. Remember, avoid pain. The other one, pain. This one, comfort, two-car garage, house, six-figure salary, traveling, being able to meet all my bills because you want to do something different. Lower brain was like, what the fuck? Like really pay attention with our motivational triad. I was going against the current. Nothing wrong with that. I just want you to understand why one is easier and one is like, Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. It's like a two-year-old having a tantrum and like, you can't make me, no. (laughs) And your brain is like, you selling, I ain't buying, no. So what do we do? We start forcing ourselves to get there. Not exactly the right way because 
what we start doing is start comparing. What we start doing is saying, if you're like me, it's like, oh, I know the answer. I need my back up against the wall. That's when I do some shit, right? Because we were going with the current and we were going from bad to good. And we have that story of, oh, it worked. My back was against the wall. I had to do it. So we think we solved it. I know what it is. We get all excited. It's like, I know the answer. To get myself to move, I'm going to put my back up against the wall. I'm going to quit my job and say I'm going all in because I'm too comfortable here and I'm not doing what I need to do. Wrong, wrong, and double wrong. Let me explain why. I understand the rationale because what worked before our back was against the wall when we went to college and we were eating Roman noodles and we couldn't do it. Our back was against the wall when we like, I need to make my business work. So I got to work my job plus my business because I got to pay some bills because baby needs a new pair of shoes, right? But now I'm like sitting here in the six-figure house (laughs) and doing all right. So I know I'm too comfortable. That right there thinking, slow down whenever you start saying, I'm too comfortable, clue number one, you get ready to put yourself in freeze if you're not careful and if you're not paying attention. Because cognitively, that thinking worked because it worked the last time. But remember, that time we were going with the current. This time we're going against the current. We're going towards pain, not away from pain. We're leaving pleasure, not towards pleasure. And staying the same is a good thing. It's not painful. So the brain is like, what you trying to do? Like, literally, it's like, you want me to do what? I'm not doing it. No. So you saying, well, fine. (laughs) Go to your room. You know how you have a two-year-old? Fine. Go to your room. You're not eating dinner. And you see the two-year-old in the room and you thinking you punishing it. And the two-year-old is like, la di da di da Right? Got the games and playing like, I didn't need dinner anyway. Right? That's what our brain is doing. It's like, you know, no. Creating a situation where we are like in dire straits and we are comfortable and then we intentionally put us in dire straits to make ourselves move only shames us even more. Because now the story is that worked last time. And look at your ass. You can't even do it this time. And I was expecting you to do it. It creates even more shame. And what happens when we're in shame, Queens? We shrink. So we're doing the opposite. Let me give you an example. I knew because of my story and because of the people taking pictures of my home for entire fucking year, my house being on foreclosure, me graduating from anesthesia school with a 409 credit score, I made a promise to myself that I would never put myself in that situation. Matter of fact, that's how I got myself through. It's like, look, we're moving on up to the east side, right? So. I knew that person that did that, I had to 
honor her. I had to honor her sacrifice. I had to honor everything. And when I told her, if you do this, I will never put you in this situation again. I meant that. So I had to honor that part of me. So for me to go, well, you know what? We're just going to quit because that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to quit and then do coaching full time. I knew that I was shut down. I knew it. Look, sometimes we got to know our patterns. For me, the most compassionate thing for me to do was to work full time while I build my business until that part of me was like, you good? And I had her blessing. And she was like, yeah, we good. I thought it was going to be when I was making six figures. And when I did, I was like, okay, we're at 100K in coaching. You good? And she was like, no, still not. I was like, oh, okay. Right? Like, got it. No problem. So I was like, what is it that you want? And she was like, I want to know that working the job that I'm at, anesthesia, is actually costing us money. Like it's interfering with the money that we could make in coaching. When that happens, I'll let go. Like, okay, that's what you need. Fine. Then that means we got to work two jobs. No problem. That's what we're going to do. So I met her where she was and I'm talking to her as if like, but I want you to understand our nervous system, like our body is slow. Our brain is fast. Our body wants safety. It wants to be heard and understood. And the one thing you can ask yourself is what is it that you need? It doesn't mean the goal is not possible. What it does mean is that you ease your body into it. You don't just throw your body. You don't jump into the 15 feet. You're like, okay, we're going to take baby steps. What do you need? And the reason why I had to take baby steps is because I had to recognize what I put myself through with that big story. And my brain was like, hell to the fuck no, are we going to do that again? And if you're in that type of a situation, that is not an answer or a no to your goal, whatever the goal is. If it's, I've lost weight, I don't know how many times, and here I am going to try again. Of course, your brain and your body is like, I'm scared. Ask it what it needs. Listen to yourself. Listen to your story and honor it. Stop trying to like do or die and expecting you to like show up. Because nine times out of 10, unless you're going from bad to good, if you're comfortable where you are and you're like, "Eh, I don't really need to, you're going to put yourself in a situation where you could possibly shut down. Matter of fact, the goal was probably always destined to be yours, but because you forced yourself to do it in a way that wasn't serving and now you're in burnout. What happens is sometimes we stop choosing the goal, not because the goal wasn't ours. That's not it. But sometimes we give up on the goal because we spend so much time having to manage our mind because we put ourselves in situations where we jumped into 15 feet of water. Okay. If your journey was emotional, you have to address the story. Okay. That's where coaching comes in. I help my clients unpack stories 
so they can go towards their goal. A lot of times it's not that they can't do the goal. It's they have to unpack the luggage because the luggage that they're taking up the heel with them is the thing that's slowing them down, not the heel itself. The heel you can do. It's doing the heel with the 50 pound backpack. That is what you can't do. I help them unpack the 50 pound backpack. Do the same for yourself if you're doing this for yourself. Take time to understand where you are. Be gentle, be kind with yourself. Achieving more isn't about bullying ourselves, beating ourselves, and whipping ourselves. Achieving more is about creating containers for growth. It's creating the soil, the perfect ingredients for you, and only you get to decide because you're a special seed, and only you get to decide what that container looks like, how much sodium how much nitrogen, how much water, how much sunlight, how much wind it needs. That's your job. Do it intentionally. My favorite Breakthrough with Brig podcast episode so far has been her series on failure. Um, It's really helped me to understand my own past failures or perceived failures in reaching some of my goals as part of the greater landscape of actually getting to those goals. So I've really found that helpful. But just overall, I love Brig. I love what she brings to the world of life coaching, which is fairly new to me. I discovered Brig and her podcast through The Clutch. (laughs) And quite honestly, my favorite thing about Brig's work is her coaching. (laughs) It's amazing. I've never seen a coach that listens with so much love and kindness to the person being coached. And she really has this skillful and effective way of really nailing down the central thought that's problematic for each person that she's coaching. And again, the love and care that she applies to that thought and to the person's journey through understanding their thinking, that is so powerful to watch. And I look forward to perhaps one day being coached by her myself when I can fully believe that I'm a high achieving black woman. Best of luck to you, Brig. Love you. Love your work. Please keep doing what you're doing. If you're listening to this podcast, Nine times out of 10, you've got some big ass goals because I talk about epic shit. So in relation to whatever your epic shit is, when I say the word failure, what comes up? Does images in your mind of disappointment come up? Is there a feeling of like, oh, right, of emptiness, of not accomplished, like what comes up? What are the sensations? Because if you have visceral reactions, if 
negative images come up in your mind, if there's a feeling that you can almost feel right now that's associated with failure, what does that mean, even failure? And how willing are you to fail when the images in your mind bring on that type of reaction? What if you were willing to fail? Why would you be willing to fail? And not only why would you be willing to fail, but what if you were willing to fail repeatedly? O-M to the G. Okay, let's have a moment. Because I know I'm talking to my high achieving women, Black women specifically. Let's have a moment. Y'all come in. Like, listen, I get it. We're not supposed to fail. We got to keep up the Black excellence thing. I get it. I get it that we got to work harder. Like everybody's watching us. And I get the social pressure that we put on ourselves. It's all our synthesis in our head that we've adopted from 400 years of shit that somehow we're supposed to be perfect to hold up the race. What would happen if we dropped that? Like literally, what would happen if we dropped that? Because for the first time in history, we can drop that. We can say, I don't owe you my perfection. What would happen if we allowed ourselves to fail? to get it wrong, to make up shit, try it, go for it, go guns blazing and get it completely wrong and fall flat on our face and then get back up and do it again. How much richer, more successful, how much more money, patents, everything would we create by eliminating this thing called failure intolerance? What if we increased our capacity to fail? Not only was it like we could increase our capacity, but we willingly, like we sought that shit out. We understood like, yep, I'm going to fail. What would happen? What if the reason why you're not making more money, you're not putting out as much of your epic shit is because of your unwillingness to fail, not because of your failure? What if the work was not trying not to fail, but literally trying to fail, gathering that information, evaluating it, adjusting, and then getting right back up and putting yourself in the same position in order to fail again? What if we have it all wrong? What if you were willing to fail? And that meant you let people, people, yes, I know because of the color of our skin, because of the pigment in our skin, some people look at us a little bit more funny when we fail. So the fuck what? They have thoughts. Let them. What would happen if we participated in this fail, evaluate, implement quickly is that minus all the drama, what would happen? How much more breakthroughs would we have? What about our resilience if we did this cycle faster? As they said in the Hunger Games, the odds would be in our favor. One of the ways you do this is to understand that your doing value is separate from your being value. Like 
Your achievement value is different than your value as a human being. And that value is complete. It is set. Yes, your achievement value, your doing value, your business value, whatever, that goes with your knowledge that you're learning and the value that you put out in the world. But that value has nothing to do with your value as a human being. Your worth is solid. And if we worked on the fact that our worth was solid, what would it be like to be okay that my doing value, my accomplished value, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm willing to put it on the line and continue because I know eventually I'm going to figure this shit out and win. But the only way we can do that is if our being value is set. Plan to fail, queens. Plan to fail. Because all this shit, all these numbers, when you're going to do it by time, how much money, how much you're going to have, when you're going to have it, all that is arbitrarily made up. Like you literally pulled some numbers and dates out of the hat and now you're trying to beat yourself up against it. You don't have to. Evaluate, leave the drama, evaluate, tweak, implement again. Keep that cycle going. I think if we increase that cycle, we decrease the lag time between evaluating and implementing again, I think we would create more. Greg, many, many congratulations on 100 episodes 100 episodes of Making the World Better. This is Caritha, Caritha Mitchell, your former client. And, you know, I just had to call in and congratulate you and celebrate with all of us for everything that you've given us throughout these 100 episodes. I found you because I had been a part of self coaching scholars beginning in 2017. And then after the George Floyd murders, Brooke Castillo started to be more deliberate about recognizing that there was indeed structural racism that was shaping what her company looked like. And so she started to promote and let those who follow her know about all of the coaches of color that have gone through her program So that's how I found you. And I started listening to the podcast and basically listened to every episode that was available up until then, and then reached out to you to work one-on-one. And we did a six-month program together, one-on-one, before you launched Deeply Rooted. So the podcast has been very important to me and my journey, and I'm just so grateful to have found you. So A couple things that I'll share from the podcast that I have found to be really useful. You know, again, I listen to it faithfully. (laughs) So I consider it don't miss listening. So it's hard to narrow it down to any one particular thing. So I've chosen three moments that really stood out for me. One is when you were interviewing Latita, who was at the beginning of her journey in your first cohort for Deeply Rooted. And she was sharing with the audience all of the different challenges she had once she took on a new role of leadership that was even more 
responsibility than her earlier leadership roles. And one of the things that you said is so many people would take the fact that those challenges were happening at all to mean that they just aren't cut out for the opportunity. And what you and Latia talked about is how realizing that that's not what it means at all. It just means that there are certain resources that we can bring to bear that we didn't have exposure to before, and now we have exposure to it. To my mind, that's exactly why your podcast is so important, because you're exposing us to the resources we need to really have our own backs. Another moment that really stuck out for me, and this was in one of the early episodes, you were giving the story about being married young in life and having an argument during which you didn't actually say anything back in that first argument at all. And what I found so powerful about it is that you took us through that story. You gave us ways to think about how we imagined we would never do that, that we would never not say something back in an argument. But then you let us see how, wait a second, that's exactly how we treat the unproductive things that our brains give us. We treat it as something we can't answer back. I feel like that was an episode where you were talking about, no, 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 no. this is grown woman stuff. I'm a grown woman. So I am going to talk back to what my brain is giving me And at least ask some questions about whether what my brain is giving me is actually true or not and actually helpful or not. And then the last thing that I'll say is in one of your episodes, you said owning our decisions will often feel strange. And I thought that was just so powerful because it reminds me of how important it is to practice whatever it is that we want to get better at. And so to own our own decisions is something worth practicing. But knowing that it will sometimes feel strange is important because that lets me know nothing has gone wrong. Yes, it will sometimes feel strange, but nothing has gone wrong. So again, I'm just so thrilled that you are doing your work in the world. Thank you for being the coach to high achieving Black women. It is so exciting to be in your orbit. And I just will continue to follow and support and benefit from you claiming your space in the world. Thank you so much, sis. Did you enjoy this podcast where I have a personal invitation? I want to spend time with you, coach you, talk about the issues that are affecting you. We do this in a community we call the Melanin Hour, created just for us high achieving Black women. You can register at brickjohnson.com forward slash coaching. And don't forget, Deeply Rooted is where we put all this shit together. We immerse ourselves and we master this. Six months, you, me, and a bunch of women that look like you and got a little melanin in them. (laughs) That's Deeply Rooted. You can register for the wait list at brickjohnson.com forward slash group. Hope to see you there. Bye.